The Hoop Collective is brought to you by Goodyear, helping you discover the road ahead. Goodyear, more driven. Don't forget to follow The Low Post with Zach Lowe and The Woj Pod with the great Adrian Wojnarowski, wherever you get your podcasts. Plus, The Ultimate Fighter is back, the reality show that brings you top MMA prospects together under one roof to compete for a UFC contract is on ESPN+. Featherweight Alexander Volkanovsky and Brian Ortega coach men's bantamweights and middleweights who have put their lives on hold for the chance to pursue their UFC dreams. Stream new episodes every Tuesday only on ESPN+. Sign up now at ESPNplus.com slash UFC. Hello, welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA. We're doing it just before midnight on one Thursday night, Eastern. Being uh, joined from somewhere in western New York where he traveled from Milwaukee after going to uh, Bucks Hawks game one. And why is Tim Bontemps in western New York, you might ask? Well, Friday night, McMahon, band McMahon in Dallas, Texas. Friday night, Tim Bontemps is giving the commencement speech at his high school. And he will bore the hell out of a graduating class of five. <laughs> I, said, I hope Keep not. it short. Keep it short and sweet. That is the plan. It was very nice what, of them to ask. It was very what high five. school? I forget. I uh, Randolph High School. Randolph, New York. I had a short and sweet joke, but I'm going to keep it to myself. <laughs> programming. <laughs> That's probably a good idea, boss. Home but no, of it was the... very cool of them to ask, and I'm, uh, I'm excited to go. Be fun. Home of the... Cardinals. Cardinals, Randolph Cardinals. Randolph Cardinals. All right. Distinguished graduate, Tim Bunt. Graduate. I'll say graduate. I'm not about distinguished, but graduate for sure. Well, we didn't really have a distinguished game three, really, between the Clippers and Suns. Um, Dude, I don't feel like I got an official introduction. Oh, I'm so sorry. After you his break big day. Hair. I know. He had a really big day today, and I'm not even joking. McMahon with a whole bunch of news, strong work on the Dallas Mavericks uh Major day for the Dallas Mavericks, which we'll obviously be talking about in a little bit. From Dallas, Texas, is Band McMahon. Howdy, partners. Thank you for the proper introduction. Now, game three. Yes. Clippers win by 14 to extend the series. And a couple of things out of this game. Uh, it was close at half, and then it it got sideways quick when the Clippers had a really big third quarter. Um I have to say, ever since Devin Booker got hit in the nose by Patrick Beverly, he has not been the same player. And I wonder if that play is going to have an impact on this series or whether he'll get over it. But he wore the mask tonight. He was obviously out of this world in game one. He was not that great in the second half of game two. Tonight, five of 21. Um, Chris Paul came back, but he was not good. And that wasn't a surprise right. to me. He did have 12 assists, but five of 19. Um, they shoot they're under 40% as a team. And, you know, that was just a freak play. That was uh, Beverly being Beverly, being a pest. But it kind of, sort of, was along the same lines as the play that Westbrook hurt his knee on all those years ago 
with Belton, uh, it was at least this. Correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't the Westbrook like a post timeout fake hustle type of play? This was at least yes. The flow of well, the game. it was at least as Westbrook was going to call a timeout, he ran over to try to swipe yeah. at the ball. Yeah, but he wasn't but, trying to hurt him. Is my point? It was just him being over aggressive. I mean, he wasn't trying not to. Right? And then this, you know, like was it intentional? No. Was it reckless? Yes. And but look, that's part of the deal. Patrick Beverly's going to be. He he's a pest, and he will be reckless, and he's going to fly around, and you know he might fly into a knee, he might you know accidentally headbutt you in your in your schnauzer, and you know you're going to have to deal with it. But yeah, I, I mean, I would say that the Suns need their stars to shoot better than 25 percent from the floor to uh, right. to to be able to win in this series, and so that's basically what this came down to. I do anticipate. Uh, that Chris Paul will, will get back in a rhythm. I, I don't forget how many days off was he exactly between when they closed and when he came they back Sunday. And so now is Thursday. So he was out. What is that? 11 days, days. 11 days. Well, you know, no real practice. I mean, I don't know what he was doing. I don't know how he was feeling, but he looked like yeah. a guy who'd been out for 11 days. By right. the way, the Suns hadn't lost in almost a month. Right. Right. Uh, and you know, Devin Booker, I do think that obviously there's an adjustment. If he, I assume he's going to have to play with that mask on. Uh, he'll go through an adjustment, but I, I would bet against five of twenty-one being the norm for him. I guess probably I would too. He broke his nose in three different places and opened up a gash that needed stitches to to uh, close. That was a hell of a headbutt by by. Uh, I mean, you know, obviously it was really bad because he was bleeding like crazy, but like it, it, it wasn't like he launched at him, but then again, it must've been a hell of a headbutt to do that kind of damage. And I, I really do believe it's knocked him out of this great rhythm. And he, if you watched him tonight, he was constantly fiddling with the mask. He, you know, yeah. he had to be uncomfortable with it. Cause Definitely it's still, didn't look comfortable is, with it at all. His nose has still got to hurt. Um, I would think so. And then the sun sure, looked lost. like it hurt. Well, plus the thing, you know, gets all foggy and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, not fun. And then the Suns lost Cameron Payne to an ankle injury. I don't know how serious that injury is, but he wasn't able to play in the second half. And considering how important you know, I've been player, saying all year, I've been saying all year, campaign's really one of the underrated keys to the Suns' success. Right. And you got to get Brian his props see, on the bench. We did. Bench. We did see further. We did see further evidence. I tell you what, with Brian's. Uh, Town evaluation ability. I'm surprised he didn't get consideration for the Mavericks uh, front <laughs> office gig. Hey, maybe he did. I will never pretend to be able to evaluate talent. I am not that guy. All right. So camp. So now campaign out. So in, in we're not sure. We'll see. All right. Bond temps. Watching this game tonight, seeing how this out this uh, played out. How concerned, you know, you know, where, where are the Clippers in this series? Should the Suns be concerned? Was this a, was this one of their uh, pivot points or what happened here? I mean, to McMahon's point, if the Suns two star guards are going to go 10 for 40 from the field and three for 14 from three point range and commit six turnovers on the road, uh, they're not going to win. Right. So I expect, you know, Devin Booker, I think will get more use of the mask. Chris Paul, I think will get his legs back under him and play better as the series goes along. Um, so I, I still think the Suns are in really strong position to win the series. I still expect them to win it in pretty comfortable fashion. But Paul George has been vilified 
for plenty of reasons over the past couple of years for things he said and performances he's had in the playoffs. And with Kawhi Leonard out, he has been awesome. I know he missed those free throws at the end of game two to set up the the value to DeAndre Ayton. And, you know, that's what people will remember. But they were only in that game because Paul George was great. And I know he went nine for 26 tonight from the field, but he had 15 rebounds, he had eight assists, he was plus 23, he had 27 points. 43 he's been minutes. Great. I mean, he's just 43 minutes. He's playing huge minute loads. Like the Clippers have had no downtime. They have gone right. from series to series to series. They, you know, they, uh, and it's their own fault. They're the ones who keep falling behind. But, um, the their the 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 rest advantage is vastly in the Suns' direction, hundred percent. And and the other thing, so so Paul George has to me gone a long way towards rehabilitating some of the knocks he's taken on his image over the past couple of years in the playoffs with his play, especially with Kawhi out. The other thing about this Clippers team that I can't get over is Reggie Jackson has become a human flamethrower. I mean. He, he scores like 25 points every night. We're just like, oh, every, yeah, that was a Reggie Jackson game. It's, it's gotten Mr. to the point June. where if he misses a shot, I can't believe he missed. Like, I mean, the guy is shooting 50, 40, 90 in the playoffs. He's, he's scoring 17 points a game. He's playing 35 minutes a game. Tonight he has 23 points in 33 minutes. And he's been unbelievable for them. And I, 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 just, I just give the Clippers, I give him a ton of credit for the way he's played. And I give Ty Lue and this Clipper team a ton of credit because – they're down Kawhi, they're down Serge Ibaka, they've been down in all these series, and they just keep finding ways to come back and fight back and get into the series again. And, you know, regardless of how the rest of this thing goes, I just think they've been incredibly impressive in the way they've been able to battle back and, you know, not only get to this point, but, you know, they were right there in games one and two also. Like, you know, they haven't been blown out um, despite the guys they're down, and obviously now they got a chance to get back in the series on Sunday with another win. Well, and, the, and the other thing is we, we've talked a lot about DeAndre Ayton and how he has developed into a beast. And mm-hmm. he has. He's had a phenomenal postseason. He he got it kind of handed to him tonight. The the Clippers play big and Zoo played big. You know, 15 points, 16 rebounds, best plus minus of the night, plus 28. Ayton notably had the, uh, the worst plus minus of the night. You know, again, I – I like the Suns. I, I say the Suns have the edge in that matchup, but they did not in in Game Three. And I do think that the Clippers and Tyler's really good. You know, you can say it takes him two games, but he figures out you know what the best rotation is, what the best style is um, on a series by series basis. And I do think they have to stay big against the Suns just because I you know I think that they're at a bigger disadvantage defensively than they would be you know, then they have an edge offensively when they go with that small lineup. Plus, you know, the small lineup, now they've obviously closed out the series without Kawhi, <laughs> but Kawhi is a pretty major part of that small lineup and, and right. why it works so well. For sure. And uh, back to what uh, Bontem said, um, Reggie Jackson, the Suns made a little bit of a run uh, in the early part of the fourth quarter of this game, and Reggie Jackson made two baskets in a row um, that – pushed him back for good. And so he's always had the ability to hit, uh, make a clutch play or two, but now he's just making plays throughout the entire game. Um, so we got a series out West, which is good. Um, uh, Cause if the Clippers had lost tonight, you know, it was curtains, uh, even with their comeback ability, I think. Um, and so the Suns will have to deal with the setback for the first time in a while. All right. We had a huge. Well, that, the other thing is the, the, 
Oh, no, I was going to say the Clippers still have never won a conference, or uh, I guess they're, well, I was going to screw the joke up. Damn it, I was trying to make a Chris Paul joke, and I got all twisted up. <laughs> My bad. I'm, I'm as rusty as CP3 is. Jesus. <laughs> now let's talk about the play of the week, the pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Vivid Seats wants you to get to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seat Rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP, H-O-O-P. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. Well, you had a big day today, man. You're, you're, you get a, you get a moment, buddy, after your day today. A lot of work. Because a lot of work. Coming out of, you know, you, I believe you talked, was it last week, whatever day? You, you talked about how the Pacers were a spot yeah. for Carlisle. Mm-hmm. Although, you know, there had Listen. been some low... If Nets, if Nets have won Game Seven, I think we, it might have been a different uh, locale for them. But uh, I knew it would be either Milwaukee or Indiana. Uh, Indiana was the the bird in hand, and uh, that's one Carlisle's going with. Well, you broke the news earlier today, and it was uh, you know it is interesting that you say that, by the way, um, because <laughs> it's a huge difference in in how things could go. Yeah. With that Durant one foot, because I agree, if if the if the Bucks lose that game, uh, I do think Mike Budenholzer gets fired. And it's not like because Durant was an inch further back, the ju- or f- uh, further up, it wasn't like the job that Mike Budenholzer did this year is any different than would have gotten him fired. Well, and and, and, and honestly, he still might. Listen, if it if the if Atlanta wins that series, do you feel good about Bud's job? No. Nope. Well, I don't like the way the Bucks nope. play in close games, and it's been driving me crazy for three years. And basically, you know, I've said before, they have to win by 12. When they're up by 12, they are awesome. And you sure as hell know they're good enough to get up by 12 or mm-hmm. whatever, 15, whatever. But you, they're up by 12 with three minutes to play because they've kicked butt. They are finishing you off. But if it's a three-possession game with less than three minutes to go, and I mean that you can game it out further, I don't like I don't like their chances, which is why I didn't like them as the the betting favorite in the is still remaining. I mean, I I understand why they're the betting favorite. I understand why you know they had a lot going for them, and I agree they had a great chance. And but I just can't be on the side of a team that cannot close. Well, especially and, when the other team has the postseason and cojones factor MVP, and I am calling that race right now. When Trey Young in the first conference finals game of his life, goes off the glass alley-oop, and then two minutes later tops that moment with a crossover, look at you, shimmy, shimmy, swish, Cajones Factor MVP. <laughs> uh, Bontemps, Trey Young is 
three and zero in road game ones in yep. his playoff career. And you Pretty wrote good. about it last night. I don't want to get too far away from Dallas, but since you get, we got here, you 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 were at the game and you covered, uh, and you wrote about uh, Trey. Uh, I guess yesterday. Yeah, I mean, listen, uh, the the Atlanta Hawks are up in this series, and they beat the Sixers and they beat the Knicks because of the confidence that they play with. And it's weird for a team that's as young as this Hawks team to be this confident in the playoffs. But when you watch them play and you see the way that Trey plays on the court, it's just it's so easy to see why they play this way. Like this guy is, to McMahon's point, completely fearless and is willing to do anything in any situation at all. I mean, this shimmy he did on this three in the third quarter was one of the most amazing things I've seen somebody do in that kind of moment in a game uh, to just, you know, to just showboat a bit and make the shot. He's throwing passes off the backboard to John Collins for dunks. He's, um, you know, he's hitting every floater in the first half to keep him in the game. And then when he starts to miss some floaters in the second half, he starts drawing fouls and hitting guys for threes. And just, he just pulled every string perfectly in that game. And it was in, it was incredible performance to see. And again, this is a guy who six weeks ago, not even six weeks ago, a month ago, at the start of the playoffs, people around the league were very curious to see, is this guy going to be able to hold up against playoff defenses? Not only is right. he holding up, he's obliterating them. It doesn't matter who he plays. It's everybody. It's just yeah, he, it's truly he, remarkable. He, he's brave. And, and he does not have conditional confidence. In other words, it's easy to be <laughs> no, confident when, when you're in a groove, right? It's easy to be confident. Oh, you know, you not you knock down your first couple shots. You're, you know, you're 10 of 14. Dude, he was, was a game six, I think. Four of 22. It's, it's crunch he was time. Five for 23 in game seven, too. Okay, that maybe I forget which which one was it where he was four twenty two at the time and he knocked down a twenty nine foot dagger. Was that game six or seven? I forget which. It was game seven. It was game okay, seven. Well, there you go. Game seven. Shot. Game seven on the road. You know he couldn't he couldn't buy one all night. Gets a little space from twenty nine feet. He's like, yep, I like it right here. Let me just put a heart or a stake through your heart. So yeah, who's he, I, who does he remind you of? What he's doing right now? Dude, he has. There's a lot of Steph. Yeah. There's a lot of Dame, but he passes like Nash, right? I mean, he is he's just a blast to watch for the same reason that Steph and Dame are. But he is a brilliant passer. Spectacular confidence, dancing on the on the opponents. Like uh, Steph is who Steph Steph. is him for me. It's Steph, and it but he gets but he gets the line like Harden. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah. he's his game. His game is, is you kind of said it perfectly, big man. Where his game is an amalgamation of all three of those guys in different ways. Of there's of no Steph way you game. can spell that word. I know you're talking at a freaking. I can. I can spell it. We don't, we don't need spell to make that word to, to save your life. You could we don't Google it and I, not you. You could Google it and still not spell it right. I would. I could spell it. it right now if you'd like. If you like, try it, it. Try it. Try it. A m a l g a, m a t i o n. Well, first of all, I don't I don't know how to spell it, so I don't know if that's correct or not. There you go. Anyway, uh, but he reminds me of Steph and how he plays in that, like like you were kind of hitting at Brian, when the Warriors, especially the Peak Warriors, were really rolling, like they were rolling behind Steph, right? Him him making threes and making plays and celebrating afterward. And Trey does the same stuff, and it's it's to me, I just I can't get enough of watching this team. They're so much fun to watch and. You know, they they also don't mind saying stuff. 
right? John Collins oh, is wearing the shirt with, with Joel Embiid. Yeah. Saying Trey stuff, Young wearing is stuff. Clint right. Capella. I mean, right. Come on. on the, <laughs> dude, Kayvon. I love it. K with an apostrophe. V-O-N. Kayvon. Kevin Herter. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's it's just great. They're just a fun group of guys, and they're fun to watch. They play a fun style. And and again, like I said, they 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 carry themselves on and off the court with an unbelievable amount of confidence for a team that hasn't been here before. I just think it's it's really cool. And to see them come into that game, again, like you said, Brian, they're down seven with four minutes to go. The, the Bucks finally pushed ahead. You thought, all right, you know, Milwaukee's got a bit of a cushion here. They're going to put their foot down and kind of close this thing out. And then all of a sudden, you know, bang, bang, bang. It's a tie game in 90 seconds. And it, it's it was just really, really impressive to see them do this yet again. And I'm I'm done doubting them at this point. I keep expecting them to lose. Yeah. Thought they'd lose to the Sixers. And then I thought they'd lose this series fairly comfortably. And they come out and play that way in game one. And, you know. We'll see what happens on Friday night. It's going to be awfully interesting uh, at Pfizer Forum in Game Two. Well, they got I've Trey got... Young, who's an amalgamation of a bunch of stars. Oh, they got uh, we got you got Red Velvet, one of the best nicknames in the NBA. They got Clint Capella, who trash talks on the record in front of microphones. The Knicks yes. and the Sixers tells Joel Embiid, "I'm gonna tire you out like uh, Muhammad Ali," <laughs> and they got. John Collins, who out trolls Embiid by wearing the shirt of him uh, dunking is, on him dude, after eliminating him. Out trolling Embiid is, I mean, that's like out thinking CP3. It's just unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I mean, there's a, there's a lot, as Bontem said, there's a lot to like about this team. And you maybe better start liking them because they're six and two on the road. They're six and two on the road. Yeah. Including now, a game seven and three game ones. And if, you know, look, if the Lakers, uh, you know, had gotten the five seed and were six and two on the road and won the game seven on the road behind LeBron, you'd be like, okay, well, LeBron's seed never matters. But these guys had never played in it before. So um, really well, you, you said you didn't want to get too far from Dallas. And uh, here we know, go back. Trey Young, Young Luka Doncic, draft night trade, always going to be we, linked. And we talk and about. You, before we oh. switch, before we switch back to Dallas, can we talk about one more thing from Game One? I was one? making, a, I was making a smooth segue. I know, I know you. Uh, were, wait, but... I mean, listen, you know nothing about smooth, so go on. <laughs> How you spell go segue? On, farm boy, screw it up with, you, yeah, with an S. Segue. With an S. <laughs> I just think we should talk for a minute S-E-G- about this Giannis Tenacupo. Uay. <laughs> I think we should talk for a minute about this Giannis free throw situation. We saw in the last two minute report today. The NBA uh, said that both his free throws, which he made with five seconds left in the game, should not have counted uh, because he took more than 10 seconds to take them. He's clearly taking at least, if not more than 10 seconds on every single free throw. It's about 12. I've started timing it with my little iPhone stopwatch. It's about 12 every time. Every single time. And And that's that's not including his... 10 minute don't give me the ball or 10 second don't give me the ball yet <laughs> right know. the the, the hard bogus. the hard little overreaction that was awesome yes no it, but but i i'm very curious to see what happens in game two with that because you know maybe the league is just going to continue to say that this is he's breaking the rule and then never call it and just pretend that that makes sense but it it seems rather noteworthy to me that you go in and you know go out of your way to point out that those calls were missed at the end of that game. 
you have to expect they're going to look at that in game two. And if they don't, I, I think if you're the Hawks, you have to start kind of wondering, like, what is going on here where this guy is just breaking the rules every time? Now, you could say, well, it doesn't really matter. Who cares? It takes an extra two seconds. But the rule's a rule. And, you know, he went six for eight from the foul line last night. I will say, I can't say for sure, and I'm not doing the research, but my guess is that's the first time the 10-second uh, rule has been for, at the free throw line has been mentioned in the last two-minute report. Uh, I wouldn't bet on that. I'm going to go, go, go with you on that. I'm going to, well, I, th- I would bet on it happening a few more times in this, in this series, actually. Yeah. No kidding. All right. So back to, all right, that's, that series is going on. Bears watching. Whoa, Hawks. All right. So McMahon had a hell of a story today. Big day, big day uh, for Ben McMahon. Let me tell I mean, you why I mean, McMahon. Two, two of them, but who's counting? <laughs> <laughs> I actually think hopefully, he had. Hopefully, our bosses. <laughs> I think he actually had four stories today. Um, I think you pretty much broke four pieces of news, but you broke three pieces of news in one fell swoop, which is almost unheard of. So you break that the the Pacers are hiring Rick Carlisle, which. Yep. Uh, Again, had been mentioned, but no indication of how close it had was. Going. Well, we discussed that in in, in depth last week. Yeah, you know, but still, not to not to hurt our. Uh, you know, we're gonna have to be like Trey Young with the what'd you call it, Bon Temps Leaning Tower Pizza on our shoulder because we're gonna hurt it, patting ourselves on the back <laughs> yes. here. But yeah, well, who's we? You're talking about you. Um, I got strong shoulders, brother. Listen, McMahon's the royal we after all his news breaking today. He's just he's yeah. taking all comers. I'm a royal then, something. He had the contract data, which was four years, 29 million, which means the Pacers, who have not always been known as willing to pay anything, paying him premium dollars, which they should pay him. Also, while they're they're paying one more year to the, you know, uh, coach that they just fired as well. So, right. Um, And then you get Carlisle on the record shortly thereafter, where wherein. He says, I really hope Jason Kidd gets the Dallas job. And it, it, okay, let me just tell you the question was, okay, Rick, basically it was something along the lines of like, why did you decide now is the time to leave Dallas? And he, he said, Have you ever watched Finding Forrester? That's not a soup question. And I had to look that up, and that's basically <laughs> you know, that, that, that's basically his way of saying like we're talking about the Pacers, like why you you know why you bringing up you know why you bringing up bad stuff? Come on now, why are you bringing up old bleep? <laughs> yes, and to so go to Friday, which is a probably a more quotable movie than Finding Forrester. There, Rick. Sorry, go ahead. And so he, uh, so you know, he quickly transitions and basically said, "Hey, I thought it was." You know, basically it was time. It was a mutually beneficial situation. And he's he's essentially acknowledging, like, look, the players, particularly Luca, wanted a new voice. Uh, he knew he was going to be in the hot seat going to next season. Let's just, you know, let's just call it and uh, and move on. And then he goes into a hearty endorsement of Jason Kidd, former Mavericks point guard, obviously, Jason Kidd, as Dallas's coach. And that brought up another time that uh, that Rick had a pop culture, I guess, is I don't know if he pop culture, whatever. So there was a time I was snooping around about some stuff. I actually asked him a question in a scrum. 
And Rick uh, brought up the one of his favorite singer-songwriters, Sarah Bareilles. And then he came, he, he recommended a song for me. I can't believe Luke, Luca Doncic got tired of finding Forrester quotes and Sarah Borellis lyrics. Well, this is just the media. Who knows what Luca had to hear? But, anyways, and so he recommended the song King of Anything. And I said, uh, he said, Do you have iTunes? I said, How much is it to download? He said, $1.29. I'll give you the money. And then uh, uh, a couple nights later, he summoned me to his office and gave me a check for a dollar twenty nine, which I still, <laughs> I still have it somewhere. I've got to find that thing. Anyways, oh my! The God, reason he amazing. recommended the song is because "King of Anything" is a song. What did he as, put in the memo? Uh, "King of Anything," and uh, so as he so politely explained to me, "King of Anything" is a song about minding your own business. Well. You know, if I'm Jamal Mosley, who was Rick's lead assistant for the last, uh, for this year's defense coordinator for the last few years, uh, extremely close relationship with Luka Doncic, really interested in, in uh, being promoted or replace him, I, I think I might have re- recommended to Rick to to listen to King of Anything today after he's offering an endorsement of Jason Kidd to get that job. I mean, can you imagine the 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 gall it takes? Basically, ah, yeah, I decided now it's time for the divorce. But you know what? My ex-wife should really date this guy. That's well, essentially what but he did. As isn't the, it? Didn't he must have already known? Coaches Association. Well, right, but well, he already had to know that Cleek Kid was probably going to get the job. I mean, he broke the news via you on that one. Well, I mean, listen, we all knew that was a very good chance. We've known that for a week. We've known that Dirk has been lobbying for J Kid. Obviously, you know, close relationship, championship teammates, Michael Finley who is going to remain as part of this front office, probably, if not an elevated title, at least, you know, more say in personnel matters. Uh, he's been lobbying for Jason Kidd, ironically. Played with Finley. Jason Kidd in Phoenix. No, he didn't. He was traded. No, he was traded for oh, Jason Kidd. Was he traded Kidd. for Jason Kidd? Oh, yeah, that's he right. was. And that's right. how he got to Dallas. I was that's traded right. for Jason that's Kidd. Right. But, but they have a close relationship. All those guys have a close relationship with uh, Nico Harrison, longtime Nike executive. That's going to, uh, that was your fourth piece of news, right? Assuming they get the deal done, Harrison will uh, work hand in hand with, with Michael Finley, you know, obviously working for Cuban who will still have final say um, in the mass front office, but no, it was a, Oh, 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 Rick was feeling himself a little bit with the, uh, yeah, you, you should hire Jake kid to replace me line. I mean, I don't know what he thought, but I, I would assume he had to know. He had to know that was pretty much already. Well, there's also done. another part of that too, McMahon, isn't there? Um, doing that. It w- listen. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to say this. Put yourself in Jamal Mosley's shoes. Okay, you've been on Rick's staff, I believe, since 2014. Um, you've developed a really strong relationship with Luka Doncic. Your position to at least be considered for the job. And your old boss is publicly lobbying for somebody else to get it. Oh, I I agree with that. I'm saying I feel like there's another motivation there. For I'm Rick saying he was saying it because he already knew Jamal wasn't getting it. Mm, I think you. I think mm, I think you're making assumptions. Okay, I trust you on Dallas Mavericks news. I'll tell you that. I I I, I think. Let me be delicate in my wording here. I think Rick understood the perception of 
who he, you know, of, of how that might impact who he didn't endorse. Right. That's, that's what I was getting at. You know, I, he also said, I'm going to stop being delicate. I think, I think it got to a point where Rick perceived Jamal Mosley's close relationship with Luka Doncic as a threat to him. I don't think those guys will be necessarily sending each other uh, Christmas cards and look who's right. Who's wrong. Look, you know, whatever. I do know this players that I've talked to is Luke is not the only guy in that team who is extremely close to Jamal Mosley, who's developed great relationships with players throughout his career. Almost got the new Orleans job last year. And maybe should get it this year, by the way. Well, <laughs> let me just say that I'm wondering how many Brooklyn Nets assistants are going to get head coaching jobs because, um, Could be three. obviously, Ime Udoka mm-hmm. is going to be the new coach in Boston. Is the new? I don't. Have they announced it yet? They haven't announced it yet. So yeah, he he will be coaching the Boston Celtics, oh. as reported by Adrian. Mike D'Antoni, I have been told, performed very well in his interview with Portland. And whatever, I mean, obviously Mike D'Antoni doesn't have to prove himself to anybody, but whatever plan that he brought to the table for how to operate that team, uh, I am told was well-received. Now, it doesn't well, mean he's going to get hired. If Milwaukee loses this series, he would certainly be an interesting fit with the Bucs, D'Antoni. Right. Which the Blazers probably are aware of. Also, uh, Mike, Dan- Mike D'Antoni, uh, perennial all-star point guard, those things tend to work out pretty well, although that perennial all-star point guard has made it very clear he wanted either Chauncey Billups or Jason Kidd. Jason Kidd obviously you know, removed his name from consideration soon thereafter because it was awkward and he probably had an idea he could end up in Dallas at that point. Uh, Chauncey Billups is still available. And then, it's, look, it's also... Uh, I, I believe Ben uh, reported. I think Jason Quick from the Athletic had this, and you know, I, I've I've heard the same that that Jody Allen uh, would, you know, she, that she is a huge Becky Hammonds fan and and would like to make that hire. Well, Chauncey, I think is a, still a strong candidate there, but uh, I was told Mike D'Antoni scored some points with. Mm-hmm. a certain all-star point guard in his presentation. So um, we'll see how that goes. Um, but Jock Vaughn hmm. uh, is gaining traction in New Orleans. Now, I'm I'm not saying he's going to get the job because Charles Lee of the uh, on the Buck staff is also, I think, going to be a strong yeah. candidate. But the word out of Chicago. Uh, last year also, line, Charles Lee. Right. Word out of Chicago at the draft combine is that Jacques Vaughn, who uh, is close to Trajan Langdon, the uh, general manager, I, I think Griff is the president, Trajan's general manager, whatever it is, Griff, mm-hmm. Dave Griffin is number one, Trajan Langdon is number two. That's that connection there. And so uh, Jacques Vaughn is going to get a real serious look um, and has you know interviewed, I believe, with uh, the Pelicans. And so could could Steve Nash lose three assistants? Um the head coaching jobs. I wonder if that's ever happened before. Hmm. Uh, now, Jack Vaughn exactly... lost two in 2011 when he won the title with Dallas. Wayne Casey and Terry Stotts. Uh, Terry Stotts. I think it was 2012, actually, that they left. But yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, um, right. They left that after that. Right. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. We'll see what that, uh, we'll see what happens there. Um, I'm not, I mean, it's, you know, it's still early in the, in the process. Uh, also, as long as I'm emptying my notebook and headed for aggregation here, um, uh, watch, watch, uh, Sam Cassell and Wes Unseld as leading candidates, two of, two of the leading candidates in Washington. Hmm. Bontemps, can you spell aggregation? <laughs> Brian knows how to spell aggregation. I know that. He can't stop um, talking about it. It's his favorite. He spells thing. it. He spells it a g g r a v a t i o n. <laughs> that was a good joke by you, man. Well done. I'm full of them. I'm full of them. I didn't land. Grammar. I didn't land the CP3 one, but I've come back strong <laughs> since then. So, but also in that Carlisle interview that he gave you, he, you know, basically very thinly made it sound like he and Luca were not on the same page, which is one of the well, duh. worst kept secrets. <laughs> All you had to do is go back to his statement last week when he thanked everybody in the history of the Mavericks organization, except for the current star player on the team. <laughs> well, he did He did go, you know, above and beyond in, in, in praising Luca. I'd like Luca. to thank Roy he... Tarpley. I'd like to thank uh, <laughs> Donald Carter. I'd like to thank Sam Perkins. I like to thank Derek Harper. <laughs> Let's just say the three of us hey, on our text Matt, chain, that instantly was noted. Uh, Matt's that, broadcaster, uh, that Derek Harper. not in it. Well, he 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 certainly praised Luca today, and uh, also noted that he thinks he believes that Luca understands that championships are how legacies are made, and you know, noted that he has championships in Europe, and predicted that he'd get them in the NBA. But you know, it's interesting because uh, I do wonder if there is a time when Luca might look back and appreciate some of the wisdom that Rick attempted to, uh, to, to impart these last couple of years, you know, uh, like metal world peace is, uh, he, he would like to be on Rick Carlisle's coaching staff after all these years. So sometimes it takes guys a while to come what around. About Rondo. <laughs> uh, I don't think Rondo no. made any, any all NBA teams under Rick's watch. <laughs> okay. Um, wow, man. Meta. When Meta was Ron Artest playing for Rick Carlisle. He was a beast. Whew, he owned pretty, pretty, the floor. Pretty good. I will say that only maybe one or two times have I ever seen LeBron get manhandled. You know, Kawhi, not manhandled, but like physically. Im- yeah, Meta's Matt. Ph- physically imp- impose their will on him. Kawhi did it uh, uh, specifically in the 2014 finals where Kawhi won his first finals MVP and Ron Artest meta world peace. He's not meta world peace anymore. I, he's, he's, he's met, he's meta Sandiford Artest now. Okay. Meta Sandiford Artest in, in LeBron's first couple years, just kicked LeBron's butt physically, especially his first year. All you right. Imagine peak, Ron, uh, Ron Artest in today's NBA, he would be his skill set would be unbelievable in the yeah because he could environment he, he, he shot threes back then he didn't shoot him at volume but he shot threes back then yeah he could guard every position he could play him as even a small ball five probably he could handle the yeah. ball I and mean, he was he was a heck of a player I mean he would you know been, the Pacers the, the Pacers are actually a very unlucky organization do you know they this is one of the great stats that's out there and it comes back every lottery week every year. You know the last time the Pacers picked inside the top 10? I believe it was either Chuck Person or Rick Smith in the late 80s. 
1989. Wow. And part of that is because they have never been an organization that's ever wanted to tank. They've always kind of, mm-hmm. they've been in the middle, you know, they've had championship contending teams in there. They've always wanted to be in the middle. They've always preferred to be in the middle than at the bottom. That's part of the uh, Simon brothers. Uh, now Herb Simon, his brother has passed away. Uh, legacy. They do, they never want to do that, and they don't think they they don't think they can afford to because their their support for for Indiana being labeled a basketball state, the Pacers' support is not unwavering. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, they that ain't the team, Hoosiers. That's true. That team, uh, two thousand four five Pacers, the brawl year. That team very well could have been a championship team because our test was in his prime. Jermaine O'Neal was in his prime. That team was um, awesome. I mean, they were, they had a lot going for them. Uh, and the brawl completely uh, derailed them specifically our test getting banned for the season. All right. We're not going to talk about that though. Uh, so in addition to other things, you know, the, the, the Mavericks making a very interesting hire in Nico Harrison, who, is a guy that is well-respected. I mean, so many of the, you know, there's a handful of Nike guys that are extremely Mm well-respected. George Raveling, you know, uh, you know, helped build the company. You talk, bring up George Raveling's name to guys who played in the eighties, nineties, two thousands. I mean, you know, Sonny Vaccaro, um, same type of thing, you know, Lynn Merritt, uh, you know, Nico, Harrison is there. Uh, Ted Curvy is another guy. Um, you know, th- these guys love these guys at Nike because they, they get taken care of. Nike pays a lot of guys a lot of money, and they make a lot of guys look good. And, you know, they upset people from time to time. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's a different world that they compete in versus the NBA. But there is some component of relationship building with star players. Uh, you know, evaluating talent because you got to say, mm-hmm. well, we're going to give a shoe contract to this guy, but not this guy. Um, or the, a guy's shoe contract is up and we're going to keep him or we're going to let him walk. You know, there is some evaluation. Um, but you're telling me, I did not know this, but you're telling me that Nico has had previously been a front office candidate. I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, he'd been, um, I, I've been told there were numerous teams that have approached him. He, he uh, went through the interview process, I know, with the Spurs when they hired Brian Wright. If you remember, that was an assistant GM position, but it was essentially kind of understood that was going to be the GM in waiting. Um, so, you know, I don't know if he turned that job down, if he was – I, I do know he was at least in serious consideration. Whether he turned it down or, you know, they chose Brian Wright over him, I, I, I can't speak to that. But, uh, yeah, he's he's somebody who has been – you know, in front office, uh, you know, involved in front office searches before. And look, Cuban wanted somebody who you mentioned the town identification, you know, town evaluation slash identification, somebody with communication skills, somebody who is a management leader type of guy, which, you know, when you're the vice president of uh, American basketball operations at Nike, there's a lot of managing, a lot of you know, leadership type of stuff and somebody who could relate to players and, and, and be adaptable. And one and more so, big thing I'm waiting for you to come to. What, somebody who's actually signed a, a prize free agent in his lifetime? <laughs> that? Well, that's a good one, but uh, that's a big mouthful you just said there. But someone who didn't mind not coming in and having full control. Well, obviously. Yeah. Cuban's going to have the final say. 
if you're going to hire away an executive from another team, even if they're not number one, even if, because like, you know, one of the guys who was mentioned for this job was Michael Winger from the uh, LA Clippers, right. who was Lawrence Frank's top lieutenant. And he was a strong candidate for the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves two years ago when Gerson Rosas was hired. And he pulled out of that. You know, he's one of these guys who, you know, I suspect he will get a job someday. I never saw him in Dallas because I didn't see him as a guy. You know, he's a Sam Presti disciple. Sam Presti has both hands, uh, both feet, and his chin on the joystick of the Thunder. That's who he learned under. I don't, I don't think Michael Winger was coming to take orders. Um, A lot of a lot of people I talked to over the past day or so about this job all basically echoed that same sentiment, and that it was going to be hard for the Mavs to get a top level person because everybody kind of has a general understanding that like McMahon has said a bunch of times, including earlier on the pod, that Mark Cuban is always going to have final say on what's going on there. And even with the way this has played out, like, you know, the perception, at least to me, seems like they hired the coach and then said, all right, here, whoever was going to come in and be the guy leading the front office or working with Michael Finley atop the front office, like, hey, here's your coach. Um, See, it's not normally the way this stuff works. I, I would, I would push back on that just in this, in this sense. I, I think Nico Harrison and Jason Kidd are, were a package deal. Those guys, you know, Kidd was a Nike guy. They've got a, a relationship that goes back uh, two decades. Michael Finley, you know, a Jordan guy, he's got a great relationship with Nico Harrison going back uh, probably two decades as well. Um, I So I, I think this was uh, basically, you know, hiring a, a kind of a simultaneous hiring with the understanding that, uh, you know, Nico Harrison is coming here in part because he wants to, uh, you know, work in a front office with Jason Kidd as the head coach. I think that maybe was part of the the reason that this job was attractive to him. Obviously, you know, Luka Doncic has a lot to do with this, the, the Mavericks job being attractive to anybody at this point as well. Yeah, no question. My, my only point was that if you're talking about whether it's Michael Winger or somebody that is going to come in and have, mm-hmm. you know, want to have full control over things, they're going to want to hire their own coach, you know, which yeah. as in this, in this, like you said, even if it's like, Hey, these guys have a great relationship. They know each other. Well, they're going to come in and do it. Um, they're going to come in together. Like that's all. Let's, that's just, you know, as you, as you know, that's not exactly the way this stuff tends to go. Well, perhaps it was, Hey, Hire-wise. we want Jason Kidd to be our, our next head coach. Let's find a, an executive candidate who agrees. Yes. <laughs> yes. That, that exactly. sort of thing. And, yeah. and also I'm not, I'm not exactly clear what the titles will be with Michael Finley and Nico Harrison. I'm, and I'm not sure if it's, you know, who's one, who's two, it might be one, a one B. Um, they're both going to have, I think close to, if not equal say, and look, Mark Cuban does listen to people. It's just you need to make if you're going to be one of his lead executives, you need to make sure he's listening to you, and you know not whoever has has got his attention at the moment. Well, it's a heck of an interesting job for both Kid and Nico because they're coming into a situation where Luca is ascendant, although Trey Young is uh, supercharging past him. But uh, you certainly, you know, what Rick said, Rick Carlisle said today is true. The idea of getting Luca right now, probably shortly after he signs his max contract extension and you know that he's committed to the franchise, which I'm sure he will be. Um, it's, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a good situation to walk into. Um, well, and I do the, think kid, you know, as a hall of fame point guard, as one of the best point guards to play the game, as a guy who hung a banner, 
uh, in that arena. I do think he will have instant credibility uh, with Luca. Um, now, I, I also would be surprised if JJ Barea is not on kid staff, and that's a guy who you know already has a great relationship with Luca. And honestly, I've said it a hundred times. A guy who it was crazy that the Mavericks didn't either keep him on the roster or add him to the staff last season. Really didn't make any sense from the beginning. I think Rick Carlisle would have, uh, not that he had any hair, but you know, I, <laughs> I, I, I think it would have been a less stressful season for him had Borea been there to help uh, manage some situations. Yep. Well, um, Dallas hasn't changed personnel in a long time, and I would assume when Mark Cuban elected to make the move with Donnie Nelson that he had a pretty good idea what direction he was going and had thought this out for a long time. And doesn't mean that um, it will work, but um, this was probably something that uh, you know Cuban was interested in. And we'll see. It's uh, you know hiring Jason Kidd as a coach. He has a spotty track record. Um but, uh, you know, give me Luka Doncic and I'm going to look better. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll take that. I'll take, I'll take that opportunity. So, um, am I forgetting anything about this bond temps? That's late. Uh, I mean, we haven't really touched on the lottery at all, but other than that, we've certainly ticked off well, all of we, McMahon's breaking, uh, breaking news today <laughs> on our, uh, live virtual uh, who collective podcast yesterday, which was, uh, which was video. So you weren't invited to that bond temps. I, you know what? Two different people told me about that joke, uh, as it was told. So there you, go. <laughs> you have, you have, you have, uh, uh, fervent followers. Keep I, I play all the movements. I play all the hits, brother. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, bond temps, you, you know, you were, you didn't get a chance yesterday. Is there anything that, um, you thought was, uh, important? I mean, a lot of stuff important happened. Don't yeah, wrong, but obviously, we, we spent months talking about that lottery. I thought the two things yeah. that were most significant were the Raptors jumping up mm-hmm. into the top four and getting a potential all-star. As you guys both know, it's rare that teams that are that good, as the Raptors have been the past few years, have a dip like this. It's probably going to be a one-year dip and then get be- get the benefit of getting a high level player in this draft, which very well could I don't know. be Ask Masai Ujiri still unsigned. Right. <laughs> right. Um, you know, whether it's Jalen Suggs or Jalen green or Evan Mobley, whoever, you know, however the two, three, four slots in the draft go after Kate Cunningham probably goes number one. That's a big time get for Toronto and can really help them jump up uh, right back up again in the East next year. And the other thing was um, this is a real fork in the road moment for the Oklahoma city thunder to get a chance to have two top five picks in this draft and to come out of it with the sixth pick is a gut punch and they have a million picks and they've got Jay Gilds Alexander and they've got all these young guys. And it's not to say that they're, you know, their rebuild is going to work or anything, but you know, they've got Shay and a bunch of really young guys and a lot of draft picks and there's a gap there. And they had a chance to kind of mirror what Phoenix did where after Devin Booker's third season, they got the number one pick drafted Deandre Ayton, and then mm-hmm. traded for Mikael Bridges at the tenth pick, and now a couple years later, that trio is in the East, is in the Western Conference Finals, and they had a chance to try to put themselves on a similar trajectory, and got some bad luck, and have to try to do it in another way. So, well, Devin Booker was the thirteenth pick, and Bridges was like, was he was the tenth um, pick. Yeah, yeah, 
they they Booker traded up they traded up with him with Philly to get that pick. Oh, I'm not saying right. I'm not but, saying but that, was the thirteenth pick. I mean, you can get a guy at six. It's just no, going to be harder. No, no, no. Well, sure. I'm I'm also going to go out on a limb and say that the Thunder within these next few years are will have at least one top five pick. So they're they're going to get a lot more swings at that one. You would you would think so, but this They'll was a, a lot more cuts big moment. Yeah, no, they will. But this I think this was a big moment for them to miss on. Um, and and look for sure. You know, with the gap, you know, I, I'm Shea, I'm going to watch the Shea Gilders Alexander situation because w- the, all their guys are basically 18 years old, and then they've got Shea, and now they're traded for Kemba Walker. They're clearly still in asset um, accumulation mode. I think Poku's about 16. Right. I mean, all their guys are super young, so it, there's just this team doesn't look like it's going to be ready to be competitive in the near term. And so when you have a guy like Shea, who's really good. And, and if they are, like that, if wonder. they are, Shea's plantar fasciitis will probably act up. <laughs> That's also well, true. It, it apparently acted up enough for him not to play for Team Canada, which yeah. I know was something that, that everybody was hoping for. So that was yeah. a little bit concerning. But, you know, we, we you know, Trey's getting a max contract this offseason, which we talked about in the spot a few months ago. I didn't think it was a sure thing based on people I was talking to, but um, – <laughs> That's yeah, a ridiculous. Yeah, that's a, that's yeah, a, yeah. Good luck asking positive. for a discount now. Yeah, it's yeah no discounts. Um, obviously, Luca's getting the max. I think DeAndre Ayton. Woj has mentioned this on TV. I think DeAndre Ayton is getting the max. I don't know how you're gonna not give it to him. You may not give him all the bells and whistles. Shea, but I don't Shea and uh, Shea and Porter both will have a chance to get it too. Yeah, and I think um, Marvin I, Bagley the third. <laughs> line it up. <laughs> all right. On that note, thank you, McMahon. Bon temps. Good luck in your speech. Is this being live streamed anywhere? They don't have the internet at his high school. Are you (laughs) kidding me? I've had a lot of questions asking about video. I have no idea. I haven't asked on purpose. Otherwise, people will find it. If there's video, it'll be on a VHS. (laughs) (laughs) They'll roll it in on a... a, With a TV with strap down. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, All right, well, Bontemps, well, good luck. Thank you. I appreciate it. At the football stadium. It's indoors now, actually. It's oh, it is. Football it moves his, high school, his high school had like two, you know, those little like wooden bleachers where you get splinters in your butt. He, oh, yeah, and, and you, can, you can sit like style. 25 people. We don't have a Texas style uh, uh, stadium, but we oh, you, you don't have an, you, big in Western New York. You don't have an 80, you don't have an $80 million high school football no. stadium. No. I can't relate. I can't we got not a, relate. We got, a, we got stands for a couple thousand people, but no, it's, it's right. moved into the auditorium now that, uh, the COVID rules have changed. Well, thank thank goodness. All right. Thank you to our producer, Dan, for staying up late. Thank you to McMahon, who took a call in the middle of this podcast that um, I wish I could tell you about, but I can't. But maybe <laughs> maybe um, he took a call in the middle of the podcast and then he didn't turn. He didn't mute. So, well, was, listen, it was interesting. <laughs> Technology is complicated. Listen, all respect to you. Um, Great day, buddy. uh, Thank you, listen to Hoop Collective Podcast. We'll talk to you guys next week. Adios, amigos. Adios.